0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. I think the team's in a good spot right now. We um, turned some things around and turned it up a bit, so you know, I think it's a perfect time.
1: That is Devin Booker, who's coming back tonight. Will be in uniform. Will be on the floor in what capacity? We don't know. Probably a minutes restriction. You would imagine, Vic, if uh, you know, you miss 21 games because of, because of a groin strain. And the way the Suns and their coaching staff have handled players returning from injury, you would expect maybe a governor to be put on Devin Booker. But yeah, there's 20. 27 games left in this regular season for the Suns, who are 29 and 26. Tonight, they will have their starting five of Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul together for the first time since November 4th. Wow. Which was very early in the season, and that was the game Cam Johnson left after about five minutes when he tore his
2: meniscus. Yeah, that's quite significant, Vinny. There really is. And, and you hope that just the return of Devin Booker is going to give this team some sturdiness, but again, I think they showed a lot of sturdiness in their last two games. Again, beating the Pistons, that's that's no great shakes. But but that win in Boston was, was a reminder yes. of what this basketball team can accomplish. If things are going well and everybody's focused, and everyone's locked in play and defense, it's a reminder of what they can possibly pull off. And well, I, I think it came at a great time, to be honest with it you. It did, and, and the reason why... You, and look, anytime you can go on the road and beat the Celtics, who are
1: one of the best teams in the NBA, Indeed. you're doing something right. But there were ingredients of in that game that I really liked, and that is the Suns started out ice cold, couldn't score. The Celtics weren't exactly lighting up the board either, but the Suns missed their first ten shots, and we've seen this marginalized Suns team, when they get off to a slow start, they have a hard time turning it around. They did turn it around, and they built a comfortable lead, which got down to two points, and you're thinking, alright, this was nice while it lasted. Boston woke up, you know, the sleeping giant got poked, and and here they're, they're going to win this game, yeah. and that same group of marginalized Suns held that team yeah, off, and, and got the win, which was,
2: uh, I think, the, right up there for the best win I of the think year. it was. Just g- given the quality of opponent, and again, you never know what you're going to get in the NBA because you, you just never know the psychology of a team when these games really don't mean any. The meaning of NBA regular season games changes dramatically from game to game to game based on the player's collective mentality and what's going on in their own little narrative. And like I told you going into that game, I was fairly convinced the Suns were going to play a respectable, game because they had just gotten blown out by Atlanta uh-huh. that had people go, oh yuck, and the Celtics had just destroyed Brooklyn uh-huh. in a game that made you go, oh my, that team is the best in the NBA by a mile, and so I looked at that and I thought, okay the, 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 the Murphy's Law in the NBA tells you it, this is going to be a close game, but I gave the Suns zero shot at winning it, which is why to me it, it, it's the win of the season, now there's been a lot of stuff that's come since then the Matt Ishbia news has percolated, um, and, and we know that it is, uh, it is now a fait accompli, practically that he's going to take over, and and there's that, and there's the trade rumors and the trade deadline. There's a lot of other distractions, but the, this team is run is riding a high right now, a little high, but they're coming off a great win in Boston, doubled up by a really good effort from Da in Detroit. Okay. You're three games over five hundred. At one point in time, you're three games below five hundred. We were wondering what the future was gonna look like at that point in time. Yeah, and you know, you look at
1: this bunched up Western Conference where the Suns are right now entering tonight's play. They have the same record as Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas gets the tiebreaker, they're fifth, the Suns are sixth, a half game better than Golden State. Uh, when you look at number uh, numbers three through thirteen in the Western Conference, still there's a difference of five wins between the third. Mm-hmm third seed, Sacramento, and the 13th seed, the Lakers. Uh, we had Bobby Marks on from uh, ESPN yesterday, their front office insider, and he kind of elaborated on this Western Conference bunching and how wide open this conference is right now.
3: It's as wide open as I've seen it in a long time. It really is. I mean, Denver has probably been really the only consistent team um, out there. Um, their body of work shows it. I mean, we, we were talking about New Orleans I guess a month or two ago, and you know they're sitting at number three, and now they're like a 10, you know, and you go on a losing streak out West, you could go from four to nine in, in in a week here. And that's why I think for teams, it's like, just get to, you know, stay healthy, get to April in one piece. If there's a deal out there to, um, Increase the roster. Um, let's go out and do it. I think Phoenix is in a good spot. I really do. I know they, you know, they they, they struggled when you know the, the injuries hit with with Devin and and Eaton and Chris was out a little bit. But I think once you get Devin back, I think this if you go on a little bit of run, I think this roster can get you into the um, you know into the top four, top five in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see the Suns elevate up to number three. I yeah,
2: Sacramento's I don't know. Untouchable yeah. there. Yeah, again, I I don't know which way they're going to go. To be honest with yeah, you, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Like you said, the return of Devin Booker, a, a healthy team for the first time in a while. Um, but again, this trade deadline has got me kind of, I, I can't extrapolate too far yeah. until we know what happens. It,
1: it, it's such a good point, and, and typically every year I get jazzed <clears throat> for the NBA trade deadline, not just for what the Suns might do, but for a flurry of activity around the league. More often than not, you're disappointed with the lack of activity. And here we are. Yes, we've already had one blockbuster trade with Irving going to, to Dallas and um, you know, with that deal with with the Brooklyn Nets. I still don't know what to expect. Does the fact that most teams that are Most teams still have a fighting chance in the playoffs. Does that spur them to make more moves, or does it spur them to be more patient with what they've built already to be in this mix?
2: Well, that's a great point.
1: You can can go either way, even with the Suns. The Suns have been a patient organization. They got
2: into the Kyrie Irving talks. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly the sign of a patient team. No, no. That's the sign of a new owner who's looking to make a a real early impact statement and to make a real bold first impression. Is yes. what it is, and, and so you wonder now. It, with the, with that having failed, um, if you want to use that term, where where does he pivot from there? Does it become okay? Let's go. Let's go zero in on Kevin Durant. Let's go zero in on Pascal Siakam. Let's go zero in on Fred VanVleet. Let's let's go get both. Let's go do something. Who knows? Yeah. It, to me, I look below the Suns. You got the Golden State Warriors. You've got the Pelicans. You've got the NBA champion and a team that was considered to be one of the up and coming. Rising teams in the NBA, particularly with the addition of Zion Williamson, you got the Trailblazers and the Jazz, and then you've got LeBron and the Lakers all the way down to the 13. But what my point is is for the Warriors and the Pelicans to be sitting at seven and nine currently tells you that at some point in time this NBA season is going to get nuts, and the stretch run in the NBA, these regular season games are going to go from meaning nothing to meaning everything.
1: Meaning so much that Kawhi Leonard might play in two in a row. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, Vinny.
1: Yeah, I mean, nothing's that important. There's a limit to importance, I suppose. (laughs) Can you text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now? Suns in Brooklyn tonight against the Durantless and now Kyrieless Nets. Uh, But Devin Booker will be back on the floor. Cam Thomas. Thomas. Who will be the best cam on the floor oh, tonight? No. Uh, coming up next, Cardinals down to two candidates for their head coaching position. Kafka, Arumo. third option, flip a coin. We'll get into the possibilities next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings. Live uh, from Media Row Super Bowl 57, our coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row.
2: I man he's a coach coach Kafka is a special person and a, a special coach and uh, he, he kind of took me when he first got here he was quality quality control and that was my first year as a rookie and so I spent a lot of hours with coach Kafka where he was teaching me the playbook and teaching me how to become a quarterback in the NFL um, and that continued for a long time and I knew right when he left here he was going to be a head coach somewhere soon and so uh, I know he's down there in Arizona and if he gets hired there he'll, he'll get that place turned around and uh, it's uh he's a great he's a great coach and a great person as well so I'm excited for him. Patrick
1: Mahomes last night at Super Bowl opening night over at Footprint Center, getting ready for Super Bowl 57, but was asked the uh, the question about Mike Kafka's candidacy as the Arizona Cardinals head coach. He's one of two finalists now, along with Lou Anarumo. Kafka the only offensive finalist. Um, and, yeah, that's Patrick Mahomes talking about their experience of working together. Um, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not hiring Mike Kafka because he worked with Patrick Mahomes, because how well did that work? Out the last time you hired a coach who had that on his resume, not too good. Uh, but look, I, I, I'm I'm completely at a crossroads right now. The the candidates that I really wanted the Arizona Cardinals to pursue: Dan Quinn, Brian Flores. Sean Payton, they're all off, Frank Reich was high on my list, all off the board, Uh so here we are with the reality being, unless something changes drastically uh, between now and who knows when, the Cardinals will be hiring another first-time NFL head coach.
2: All right, so let's see see if we get this right. So D'Amico Ryans pulled himself out of contention with the Cardinals to take a job with the Texans, who are a... Dog breath organization. True. Dan Quinn went back to being a defensive coordinator in Dallas mm-hmm. rather than be a candidate in Arizona. He did. Brian Flores. And now Brian Flores taking the job in Minnesota. And you know what he
1: did? He did that before he even got his second
0: interview. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> Since when? <laughs> That's really.
1: That was funny. for you. I was just, That's seeing, just for if you, were, Jared. seeing if you were seeing if you were paying attention back there. I was.
2: I'm right right there. That was really <laughs> right there good. with you. Yeah. Um, so, so I think in this situation, you've really got to ask yourself what exactly are the Cardinals doing here, and and so to me, if you if you had to salvage this situation. To me, you've already got an entire coaching staff still, I guess, in place. I mean, Vance Joseph has been removed from head coaching consideration. But is he still in consideration to be defensive coordinator? And if so, know, it, why is he not a why is he not a candidate for that coaching job?
1: I, that that one baffles me. Um, you know. I kind of assumed, maybe wrongly, that when Vance Joseph was told by the Cardinals, you're no longer a candidate for the head coaching position, even though he's still under contract, it wasn't a whole lot of movement. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in in Vance Joseph around the league, first of all. But you kind of think, all right, if I was up for the head coaching job, am I going to stick around under the new guy's staff? And. I hate to be snarky about it, too, because you said they have a full coaching staff in place. They didn't have a full coaching staff for half the season last year yeah, with the number of no. guys that they had to I, show well, the door. that's a
2: great point. That's a really, really good point. So so I wonder why, okay, if, if, if you're among the belief that you need to sub out the culture here, which I think we all know needs to happen, that, that you can't really keep anybody from the pre-existing regimes, but you're going to keep them as a possible defensive coordinator, and you're going you're gonna to keep Steve Rogers as a potential uh special teams coordinator and okay I just don't understand what they're doing I really don't and you're about to hire a, a head coach without any experience for a third consecutive time it, this is this has been the most unsteady year from Michael bidwill that we have ever experienced that we've ever witnessed and it's really weird because I think for the longest time he he was he was the example for all other owners to follow in town and now tomorrow we're gonna have a new owner come in and take over the Phoenix Suns, and now Michael Bidwell looks surprisingly shaky, and has ever since the Kyler Murray contract thing became an issue. Well, even- I, it, it's been one unsteady, weird decision after another after another. Ref-
1: refresh my memory on the timing. The the edict from Eric Burkhart did
2: that precede the contract
1: extensions it for it, it did, did because That's right. we we all
2: we all wondered if it was a backlash to Eric Burkhart. Like, okay, you're going to go that way. Let me show you what happens to people who don't complain. The people who don't complain, they're the ones who get the six year contracts. Yeah. So Isn't that
4: February twenty sixth, I think, when Eric Burkhart's – Wow, almost a year. Quite, ago. I believe quite so. Remember you there? Was his his. So,
1: yes, you're right. It started there. It continued with the facepalm reactions we both had when the news came out of the contract extensions for coach and general manager. I can't I, – I, I've never been an I-told-you-so guy, and I know, I know you're not either. But, man, we were – right on in the diagnosis of what the cardinals how the cardinals should have treated 2022 yeah as a prove it year from your head coach your general manager and your quarterback be free and clear they went the exact 180 degree opposite
2: and they're in the soup because of it yeah yeah that's exactly right you ever ever had soup jared what do you think of soup (laughs) soup 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 come on you
0: gotta bring that back Guess Jared's soup, although I don't need it as much lately.
2: Yeah, you
1: know the morning show
2: is
0: not as uh, conducive to soup consumption.
2: No, you're right. No that's breakfast midday show. Now, are there
4: no breakfast no soups, breakfast Jared? Well, I see, a uh,
0: breakfast soup is more of like an oatmeal, isn't it? When you think uh,
2: about it, yeah, I maybe. Guess. Maybe uh, it was
4: February 28th, by the way, for oh, okay. okay, February 28th. Dang it, Sarah. So, close enough.
2: Well, no, it is close enough, and so I just I'm I'm just kind of like cringing now because if you hire an inexperienced head coach and he's as close list is the last two have been. How how long until we figure that out? Are well, waste another couple of years. Well, this is where it's going with all these
1: possibilities. Inexperienced head coach, as you said, most of a coaching staff still intact and under contract from the previous regime, and. The likelihood that you're not getting one of your top candidates. When you made out your big-time list to start this whole process, I don't know if these two guys were near the top of the list. They were added very late in the process. Uh So you're looking at a distinct possibility of kind of a, a punt year. Which yeah. is the last thing yeah. this fan base needs, right? But I, I think, hey, you know what, Lou Anarumo, you come in, you take this head coaching job. We'll, we'll, we'll plug in the gaps on your coaching staff, and and we're not expecting much in year one. Okay, which, which goes against now, every amount of yes. thinking in the NFL. But we'll let you fill in your gaps next year,
2: right? So, so the question then becomes: If you've got Vance Joseph still sitting there, wouldn't you take a chance on Mike Kafka being the offensive guy? To, to maybe check that Kyler Murray box? Or or are you planning on at some point we do have to get Vance out of here because we have to change the culture entirely? So let's bring in the defensive guy and Lou Anarumo. As, a, as an assistant coach goes, there's no comparison between the two in how they were decorated or how they were perceived no. prior to becoming candidates in Arizona. Lou Anarumo was up here. Mike Kafka, even people who cover the Giants, we talked to one, was like, what? But. Who? You, Him?
3: You heard those glitter. During
1: reviews from Patrick okay. Mahomes, the I, fact that they were blown away by his interview reportedly, we'll see. But okay. if you're down to two, I mean, you're still going to drag this out until post-Super Bowl? 26 days in? I've lost count. I need to keep like a calendar where I X off the days. Yeah.
2: But we're, we're well into five weeks. Did I ask you if John show. Gruden was available? Did I already ask you that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know he's breaking down film. Uh, We're live at uh, Meteor Row, Super Bowl 57. Our coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It's also time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons. Cooling, plumbing, heating, and electrical. Last week, Suns guard Devin Booker joined legendary tattoo and graffiti artist Mr. Cartoon to open a renovated basketball court in the Valley. Booker partnered with 2K Foundations to provide a custom-painted court to Chicano's Por la Casa Community Center. Booker took part in the ribbon-cutting ceremony, then stuck around for some drills for the kids uh, to make it really official, and then took pictures with each car and uh, caught up with some of its uh, members. The uh, center formed in 1969 to fight discrimination against the Mexican-American community and has programs to help growth in health and human services, housing, education, economic development, and advocacy. And if you saw the court, man, they did a nice job yeah. on the decoration yeah. of the court. It looks awesome. Character Counts presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Looking for their next student athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship? Text CHARACTER to 620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next. Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour Reboot straight ahead here on Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta
0: Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot, getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona Built for America's Dreams.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the rush hour reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. On Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hello, Dan Bickley. Hey. Hi. Vince Murata. What he said. Yes. <laughs> and back in the studio, the Shut up, Jarrett. <laughs> hand fruitiest, hand tudiest, Jarrett Carlin. Rock to Tommy Bahama, eat some cheeseburgers and be happy. It's your guy. What's your guy, right? Yes, there? that
0: was. They asked Andy Reid what the three keys to life were, and he said, oh, did, "Rock the Tommy Bahama,
1: yeah. eat some cheeseburgers, and be happy."
2: And he oh, said, "You missed a big branding opportunity last night, Jared. We'll get into that later."
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that. By you the didn't way, get yourself there. Rock the
1: Bahama is my favorite song by the Clash. Clash yeah. I like that too. <laughs> yeah.
4: All right, let's get into the top stories of the day, starting with the Phoenix Suns. Guys, it has been quite a week for the Suns. The team reportedly put Chris Paul on the trade block. Matt Ishbia has been approved by the NBA Board of Governors. We will get to that in a second. Jason Rowley has stepped down as president and CEO of the Suns. And Devin Booker is back. He'll play tonight after 21 games on the bench with a groin injury. Uh, the Suns are playing the Nets in Brooklyn tonight. Here is Devin Booker yesterday on getting to get back on the court. Looking forward to a lot. excited. <laughs>
2: That's
4: an understatement, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is an understatement. And here we're he all was. looking
1: forward to it as well.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And on that note, here he is on the state of the team as he gets back into playing. I think the
0: team's in a good spot right now. We um, turned some things around and turned it up a bit, so you know I think it's perfect time.
4: Yes, I think a lot of people think it is perfect yes. timing. Uh, just generally speaking, whether it's specific basketball skill or his leadership, what are you excited to see? What are you hoping to see from him tonight?
2: Well, a closer is is what I'm looking to uh, see, and, and keep in mind this is a this is an MVP caliber kind of player. And this is the time of year that MVP caliber players, you know, carry their teams. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, what this looks like. I, I, I know Devin Booker has taken a lot of time, as he should have, to heal. Yeah. I hope he stays healthy because we know his last return didn't last very long. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for uh, something that Bick said. You know, when, when Devin Booker
1: aggravated that injury on Christmas night, he was an MVP candidate. 21 games, which is a quarter of the season. It's a long time, I get it, but he went from MVP candidate to not being an all-star. I know Monty Williams took exception to that and, and said uh, over the weekend I think this is a joke. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the five guys that the Suns counted on to start games yes. actually be on the floor together. Oh. And if Booker can pick up anywhere close to where he left off, we could see, and Bobby Marks made reference to it, the Suns recently went on a four-game winning streak after they lost on MLK Day to Memphis. They won four straight. They went from 12 to four in the West. You have another run like they're on basically 7-2 and two in their last nine but if you can rip off 12 out of 14... They're going to be in the top four, and I'm looking forward to seeing Devin Booker at least attempt to get them
4: there. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that they could get past the Sacramento Kings or the oh, Memphis yeah. Grizzlies in those top two uh, spots in the standings, Memphis, or is that
1: too far to climb? Memphis has got some issues. I think I think Denver is going to be the number one seed. Sacramento certainly within reach. Uh, Memphis, if their struggles continue, certainly within reach. But you know, after all this, if the Suns can get up to three, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that really would.
4: All right, this is the Suns' final game tonight against the Nets uh, before the trade deadline, which is on Thursday at 1 o'clock Arizona time. The Suns will play the Atlanta Hawks later that night. Is this Chris Paul's final game as a Phoenix Sun? Ooh,
2: wow. Uh, I'm going to say no, uh, and and I I don't think it's going to be for a lack of effort. But I, I don't think the market is going to really yield much for the Phoenix Suns, as much as they might want it to. I will agree with Vic and say no. But
1: my track record on these things is horrible.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So expect this to be his final game as a If not
1: Kyrie Irving, I mean, is Fred Van Vliet the next guy they go after? I mean, there's going to be a big market for his services, I think, before the deadline tomorrow and certainly this upcoming summer. But I'm still sticking with no. Yeah.
4: Okay. Uh, The other Suns news that we got to get into. The NBA owners held their vote on Matt Ishbia yesterday, and he got a yes from all of the owners except for that one in Cleveland. (laughs) Dan Gilbert, who apparently is his just, you know, rival to the death in the mortgage lending world. Uh, We actually have a a fun story about that on ArizonaSports.com right now. If you're confused about this little rivalry between Matt Ishbia and Dan Gilbert, we actually have that information for you. Oh, it's not little. They hate each other. Uh, Yes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Cute little rivalry. No, it's very serious. Uh... Unfortunately, the Suns and the Cavs have already played twice this year, so we won't get to see the celebrity death match between those two for a little while. Uh, but in three words, guys, as this Matt Ishbia era starts in Phoenix, what are your hopes for this new era?
2: That that he um, that he's the perfect owner. That he wants to spend his money on talent, and that he that he understands uh, the role of, of a real successful owner in professional sports. That's what I hope. Yeah. Um
1: it's you know we're coming out of a dark period as uh, as as a basketball town with the the ownership that is on its way out i i just kind of hope for a 180 degree reversal on you know what they're coming out of and it, you know you got to think the the genesis of all of this was the Baxter Holmes article in ESPN that launched the investigation and I know the first time I read that story my my biggest takeaway was imagine having that that dream to work in professional sports and you accomplish that goal and then you are dreading going to work every day because of the treatment you get. Yes. I, I hope there's some healing in the culture, not on the basketball floor only or in the locker room or with the coaching staff, but organization-wide because I think they need it.
4: Yeah, that's really well said. And th- yeah, those are our peers. Those are people that we should care about as mm-hmm. much as the people who are on the court as well. All right, final question in today's rush hour reboot. No more Brian Flores. He is not a Cardinals candidate anymore. He is now the Vikings' new defensive coordinator under Kevin McConnell in Minnesota. Uh, it'll actually, as you guys pointed out earlier, be his first go-round as a defensive coordinator. Here is NFL Network's Ian Rappaport with the news. Brian Flores, sources say, is set to accept the defensive coordinator job with the Minnesota Vikings. My understanding is he was a
2: top candidate for Minnesota along with Ejiro Evero, who of course went to the Carolina Panthers. This actually has been the works for some time. And You mentioned Flores' other opportunities. You're right. He had previously scheduled a head coach interview with second one with the Arizona Cardinals also a defensive coordinator interview with the Denver Broncos instead of going through with those.
4: All right. So now we're down to Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka and Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo as the Cardinals two remaining finalists. I know that you both have made it very clear. Brian Flores was the guy you were really hoping would get the job. Mm -hmm. That will not be the case. But not happening. Not not happening. Not happening. Brian Flores (laughs) is not back. <laughs> okay, is there anything that makes you excited or lean one way or another between Kafka and Anna Rumo? We, you know, Jay Philly, uh, Philly was ranting about how great Anna Rumo is a couple weeks ago on our yeah, air. Patrick right, Holmes likes Kafka, right? right. What uh, do you think? Yeah, like, like I
2: said, I think any coach is good enough to work in the NFL. Um, could find a handful of guys to to say really good things about him uh i just know i to answer your question no i i I was very very clear from day one what i wanted to avoid was a rookie inexperienced head coach and for the third consecutive cycle the cardinals are going to make that mistake so yeah no i'm I'm, maybe tomorrow not today
1: yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same boat like uh i wasn't I wasn't prepared for the Brian floor. I, I thought he was a guy that wanted to be a head coach as, as quickly as possible, but maybe he looked at the situation in Arizona and said, I don't think I can succeed there right away. Why not bolster my resume as a defensive coordinator with a team that, oh, by the way, won 13 games last year and be a hot commodity next year. In terms of the guys standing, you can make a case for either one of them. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm right in the middle with Bick. You know. They're, they're in a situation that none of us wanted them to be in when this all started.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Fun times. Oh, great. Man, the best. <laughs> the funnest. The funnest. The most fun. The most fun. They were the worst of times. They were, they the, were best the worst of, of times. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have many leather-bound books, Vinny? Yes.
1: My apartment smells of rich, mahogany. mahogany coffee. <laughs> right. That's, That's right. right. Scotch. Yeah. Scotch. 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 It doesn't even, my, my work area doesn't even smell like coffee anymore. I don't even want to say what it smells like now. Oh. Oh. That's bad. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, by the way, thank you, Sarah. That was the right of Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, every morning at 730 where Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day. Coming up next, one of the biggest spectacles happened last night. Not far from where we are at Footprint Center. Super Bowl opening night. We'll get into some of the madness next as we continue our Media Row coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings with Canvas Annuity. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row.
1: Now we continue our coverage from uh, Media Row, Super Bowl Fifty Seven at the Phoenix Convention Center. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, our coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Let's just jump right into the highlight of uh, Super Bowl opening night last night. Was there one? Uh, yeah, there was. It was uh, Andy Reid. Oh, okay. Answering this question about uh, how he would rank his favorite hamburgers. Uh, I like. Listen, I like all three. Um, I grew up on In n Out. Um, but I've had a few five guys, and the Shake Shack. You know, I no, I don't turn any of them away. No, they
3: smart enough.
1: The fact that this was... They're all very good. This question (laughs) was posed to Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, and it was posed by somebody not named Jarrett Carlin in his own hometown in in an Arizona Super Bowl is a travesty among travesties. Again,
2: again, how how is it possible that you, who loves nothing more than to... to, to Attention. Yeah, attention. (laughs) Who loves attention. Who (laughs) Who loves to dress up in wacky uh, outfits, right? Mm -hmm. And who just obsesses over Andy Reid. How did you not seize that that opportunity I
0: couldn't, I, I couldn't get a media credential in time but also I was just talking about this with Lauren here back here mm-hmm. a few years ago it sort of peaked in the absurdity of media day they used to call it, now they call it opening night yeah. where there used to be people in t- costumes and there used to be you know proposals and puppets and all this stuff it feels like that has sort of died down a little bit as they've sort of made it more corporate and put it on TV there's not as much like ridiculousness it feels like
4: so that's why you're not interested yeah no. oh Oh, that my That explains it.
2: Got
0: it. Oh, um, it's not ridiculous
1: enough for me.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know how that is, it does look very very condensed and very I, I mean, uh, the fact that you've got all these people sitting next to one another and just questions coming from everywhere at all these different people there's just no, there's no gravity to it No, uh, but man, it,
1: our, our guy Damashek caused some waves too. Oh, how about that? So There was reaction from a question that was asked to Nick Sirianni uh, from a member of the media Do you consider this a must-win? <laughs> Which, depending on who asked the question, could be very funny or the dumbest question ever asked. But considering that it's our guy Damashek, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Sirianni's question was like, yeah. It is very And everybody funny. was clamoring, yeah. who asked that question? Who's now? Who? Who? Yeah. And I found out it was Dave Damashek, and I was just... Who violated the sacred space <laughs> of
2: media interrogation? How dare you How soil dare you? the sanctity of right. opening night right. of the Super Bowl? Right. Yeah, well, those are words you never thought, <laughs> sanctity. An opening night. You know, it's funny that when you think back for many years, decades, even. Uh, it, it, Tuesday was media day at the Super Bowl, and it basically took up the entire day. Yeah, right. You remember what a what a scene that was for players? Yes. have to bus out to the stadium, and then the media to get to the stadium. And once you get there, you know, yeah, you had a you know, you know, we lived that together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was
1: one uh, pretty juicy storyline, and it's been talked about leading up to what what transpired last night. But Nick Sirianni getting his first opportunity as a head coach in Philadelphia now in his second year, he was on Kansas City staff. When Andy Reid got the job, mm-hmm. he was not retained by Andy Reid, and he's talked about, you know, how that affected him, the chip on his shoulder, and also last night talked about his relationship with Reid after he was not retained on the chief staff.
3: Obviously, when you're getting let go at a place, you're down, right? I got to move my future wife to San Diego. I guess there is worse places you could go, right? Uh, but you know, you're down in that moment, right? And I just remember him, you know. Bringing me in, telling me that you know his assistant head coach was the wide receiver coach, and so that he had a guy. But I remember him lifting me up in that moment, telling me your good things, knowing I'd get back on my feet. Just he gave me strength when I was down. I, I always I always admired that, and you know even though I never got a chance to work with Coach Reed, like him, how he how he kind of. Took us the guys that were there that he was letting go. He brought us in and uh, you know and told us and he kind of gave me a blueprint for what I had to do when I became the head football coach for the Eagles. Like so, even though I didn't you know ever work with him, I did. I felt like I gained a valuable lesson from him to be able to reach out and talk to the guys. I wasn't able to meet with all the guys when they did, but I just always remember thinking about Coach Reed in that moment. Um, you know because he gave me a good blueprint of what to do uh, when you have to do the tough parts of this job.
1: And a lot of people ran with that headline because of, you know, Sirianni mentioned and and he mentioned this before opening night last night but he mentioned that chip on his shoulder Um, and yeah, you should have a chip on your shoulder always if you're a coach you want to be driven to the next thing but he also said this Andy came in because we weren't good enough in Kansas City and he stepped in and did an unbelievable job that was a two-win football team that Andy Reid took over They've been good ever since.
2: Let me. Um, yes, who's, who's getting retained in that?
0: In, in Nobody. That spot? So
2: that's ridiculous. But again, it, but if Nick Sirianni wanted to invent a chip to wear on his shoulder, he wouldn't be the first, right? No. So so that's kind of par for that course. To me, I was watching the Nick Sir- Sirianni interview last night, and it dawned on me. One of the storylines we do not talk about is the difference in status and tenure of the two head coaches in this game, mm-hmm. and it, we've seen Super Bowl head coaching blowouts before. We had a hot shot Wonder Boy Sean McVay get his lunch handed to him by Bill Belichick, ended up with a field goal in a Super Bowl. We've seen this before. Nick sirianni as an offensive minded head coach against Andy Reid, who is one of the two best coaches in the game. This on paper doesn't look this looks like a mismatch, does it not? If you get past the Eagles record. And you get past everything they've done. Wouldn't Nick Sirianni versus Andy Reid strike you? Oh, as uh, if you were going to do the tail of the tape, it's yeah. definitely a
0: check mark right. in the Kansas City right. column. Right. That's right. That's definitely in the of tail of the tape, I agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you need a couple of tape yeah, measures there, exactly. Garland. But then again, if yeah. that was the case there was
1: a tail of the tape, they'd be fighting out a weight class. It would be not non- oh, it would be a oh. non-sanctioned
2: <laughs> bout, tail of the tape worm. Oh. <laughs> so and and I'm listening to Nick Sirianni. It He doesn't really strike you in the way that a lot of Super Bowl head coaches do because it, 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 maybe he hasn't gotten the requisite credit because a lot of people have thought, okay, is this Eagles team for real? What is this more of a Howie Roseman thing? Is you know? I think it's a combination
1: of all those things. Roseman is obviously the architect of a very talented roster, right. and they've been very consistent throughout the year. But we touched on it late last week. Siriani and his coaching staff have a bit of a swagger about them, like a bit of a youthful, oh, yeah. we know we're good and we're yeah. going to let you know it about will it. We'll yap
2: a little bit. And uh-huh. I think
1: that you know, at this point of the week, I'm still leaning, even though the coaching advantage from an experience standpoint and a guy that's been there before yeah. done it and won it, Nandy and Reed, I'm still leaning Eagles at this point of
2: the that, week. You, that's a great point because Nick Sirianni, as a young head coach, he's, he's very different than Cliff Kingsbury was because Cliff never wanted to do anything but... But compliment the opponent. Yeah. Nick Sirianni will we'll, he'll talk it a little bit, yeah. which probably plays very well
1: in Philly. You got to tip your cap to them. They had a great plan.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Remember how many times we heard
2: that? Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they great plan. At a high they ex- level. played at a high level. <laughs> they, they executed, executed better in the than the high level. level. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> We are so scarred in this city. Oh, <laughs> tell me
2: about it. I am eighty-five percent scar tissue.
4: What's the other fifteen percent?
2: Uh, you don't want to know. Hair gel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right, Vinny. Yeah,
1: that's about right. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at six twenty. Six twenty right now. Coming up next as we continue our live coverage from Media Row. Yeah. Super Bowl Fifty Seven brought to you by Canvas and New. What's next? Fire! Bickley back blast. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.